0: to engage ministry and leadership, um, and I'm going to be walking you through. I was going to teach with the whiteboard, but I decided to build some slides and do it a little bit different, so those of you that are close enough to see right here, I'm going to be working with this, but it's also going to be on the, uh, the, the big screen up there, so man, I'm just a, a little bit uh, in awe of that time of worship. You know, it, it's so important that we, we respond to his presence together. And, and, you know, there's so many different types of tr- worship and traditions and ways to worship. But, you know, when we, uh, when we choose to respond to God, that's what's important. And, and, you know, you might not be used to charismatic worship, people shouting and all that. And, and you know, I mean, it, it's, it's all good. But uh, I want you to understand that you responding to God is the most important thing. Uh, And as a church, if we could really taste what the Holy Spirit is giving us, which is a a taste of victory and the reality that Jesus will build his church and the power of Hades will not prevail against it. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. The power of death will not prevail. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that we forget those profound words. Jesus says to Peter after he has a revelation of who Jesus is, he says, on this revelation, on this rock, I'll build my church. Then he says, and the, and the power of Hades will not prevail against it. I will build my church. We, it has to shape how we see the future, and it has to shape how we see the body of Christ worldwide, globally. I mean, you know, when we look at the church, what do you see? I want to ask you that question because what we're going to be getting into today, we're going to be talking about uh, the shift, the transition, and the change that's taking place in the body of Christ, God is forming a new wineskin. And we're going to talk about, we're going to rattle some cages about uh, a very common way of thinking of how we see the church and the model of a lot of churches. And what we want is we want a New Testament, new wineskin, new covenant model of leadership and of church and of engaging uh, in, in the ministry as the body of Christ. Can I hear you say amen? amen? And so this morning, we're going to be going through some slides, and I want to just talk about this transition, and I want you to envision with me with a heart of hope and a heart of faith with a, from a perspective of heaven that we believe that God is doing things in the church. I mean, if I don't know how long you've been a part of this church, but I'm going to tell you, God's doing stuff in this church. Come on, somebody. I mean, the wind is blowing. But it's not just in this church, it's in churches all over the city, it's in churches all over the world. We live in one of the greatest times of the history of the church. And if we capture that reality, we rise up and we begin to walk in the, the things that God has called us to walk in. Now, I'm talking about every one of you that are listening to me right now. I'm not just talking about those that, well, I'm going to go to Bible college and, or I'm going to go to STSL and I'm going to, go to, I'm going to be in full-time ministry. We are all ministers and witnesses of the gospel. And one of the things is, is that we, we have to realize that we are the body of Christ together. And so this is a shift that's taking place. So let's just start uh, from the first slide here. I want, I want you to look at this. Um, isn't that great? I have no more slides. Literally, all the slides are gone. What happened? Oh, here we go. There we go. I got it. Okay, so that's what we're learning today nothing. Are you ready? Someone's like, Good, playoffs are on. Praise God. I heard your thoughts. The Lord let me hear them. Okay. Here we go. Let's check it out. We're going to talk about, this is the the typical model of church that we see. We have a church, and the model is usually based on a building, people, and a guy scratching his head thinking, who am I? What am I created for? And we call this guy the pastor or the priest, right? We call this guy the pastor. Oh, pastor, would you pray for me? Oh, pastor. And, you know, our pastors like our... Our, you know, religious guru that we can hear God through and, and, you know, we never really get past that level of hearing God on our own. We never really rise up. And so this is the typical model. We go to church and I have a pastor. If I need prayer, I'm calling my pastor. Come on, somebody. It's usually ran by or overseen by a denomination, Okay, not all denominations are bad. God can use denominations. He uses imperfect people. He spoke through a donkey so he can use a denomination. Oh, I said it. So there's, there's a model. There is a model, a structure, a structure of how church is. Now, and you have a lot of different types of people you might have a pastor. There's different types of church government. There's presbytery where there's an eldership. There's congregational where everybody votes. They vote the pastor out. They don't like the pastor out. We're not one of those. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. <laughs> and there's all these different models of leadership. And, and you know, there's some biblical aspects to them, but it's not the fullness. Uh, it's not the way that Jesus started it all. And so uh, let's take a look here. I, I want you to t- check this out now. Okay, this is the transition point right here. We need to see that there is a shift taking place, a transition taking place in the body of Christ. I can see it. I've seen it. I'm experiencing it. I'm seeing people uh, be fitly framed together and become who God created them to be. I'm seeing people come out from domineering leadership and coming into a place where their love accepted. I'm seeing people that are being released in their gifts, not used for their gifts. I'm seeing a shift take place in the body of Christ. I'm reminded of Ezekiel 37, about the dry bones. God takes Ezekiel on a place where he can see. God takes Ezekiel the prophet, the man of God, uh, uh, to a place where he has a better perspective. But he doesn't just see dry bones. God says, what do you see? Can these bones live? Ezekiel's a real smart prophet. He says, you know, Lord. That's always a good answer. God knows. And then God begins to tell him, prophesy to these bones, and they'll live. And how many know the story? They became an army of the living God. So we have to see that the dry bones can live. We have to see the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, from a heavenly perspective and understand what God is doing in our time. And so this transition is taking place. Now let's talk about the new wineskin. What does this community look like? Now how many know that the church uh, is not a building? The building isn't bad though. The building is a good tool. How many think we should be in nice buildings? The church is the building where God's people gather, so it should be nice. Because you're nice, and you're royalty, and you're a son and a daughter. And I think it should be beautiful. I think when we come into the church, we should be inspired to worship. I think when we come into, into a place where, or when we come into a building where the, the God's people gather, we should be inspired to honor God, to worship God, to love one another, to give, to serve, to be humble, to be reverent. All of those things are important. But the church isn't just the building. The church is the people. The church is the people of God, the community of God. Now, we have a leader, and I want you to catch this, though, okay? When we look at this illustration, I don't want you to think, uh, you know, like a hierarchy or a pyramid. This is for illustrating purposes only. If anything, we could flip it upside down. But I want you to see the people that lead, I want you to see them as people that lead, People that have authority, but that authority doesn't mean they have control and they domineer. That means they serve and that they love. So as we look at this picture, I don't want you to think, get it out of your mind, don't think hierarchy. Don't think domineering leadership. Think servant of all. Serving the people. So we have here, who's this individual that's a leader? Is it like the old one, pastor? Pastor? Actually, no, let's look at what the scripture has to say about it. Ephesians 4 7 through 10. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ opportuned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high. Say that with me, when he ascended on high. How many know when Jesus ascended? When did he ascend? I don't need the exact date. Someone's like, 33, April 27th. When did he ascend? It's a simple question. It's not a trick question, I promise. After he resurrected from the grave, right? Okay. When did he first commission his apostles? Somebody might know it in the Bible. Earlier on in his ministry, right? Matthew chapter 10. There's different, I believe it's Matthew 10. There's different portions. Maybe it's Luke chapter 10. Chris might know. Uh, I've heard you preach on it before. So Jesus commissioned his apostles, but look what the Bible says here. Paul's writing the church of Ephesus, which by the way, Ephesus was a local church that, that Timothy was the leader of. He was the senior leader or the guy. He was the guy that kind of oversaw the church at Ephesus. He's writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, when he ascended on high, what happened? He took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So Jesus, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to his people. I want you to think about that for a minute. It's really important because where we're going with this it may give you a new paradigm of how to look at the way church leadership was intended to be. Let me keep reading here. What does this he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? How many know he defeated death? Come on. He who descended uh, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. That's the one we are shouting to today uh, in order that that he would fill the whole universe. Oh, I love that. Let's look at the next portion here. Uh, I I keep forgetting I'm in charge of the slides. So Christ himself gave, listen, let's read it. Here we go. This is is it. So he said that when he ascended, not the first time when he commissioned apostles during his ministry, after he died, was buried, rose from the dead, when he ascended, then he gave gifts to his people. Now he, he names the gifts. So Christ himself gave, let's name the first one, apostles. The prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, five of them, five different things mentioned here in the scripture that are called gifts. Now, this word gift in the Greek is soma. I'm not going to get into it too much right now. It's different from the Greek word gift that we read in 1 Corinthians 12 when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That is charisma. This is a different word, and it, it's a word that's connected to the person, not the ability. It's, it's part of uh, what they do, but it's who they are. They are the gifts. So Jesus uh, gave gifts to his people, and that came in the form of a person just like him. Uh, the gift giver is, is manifested in his giving. And so we see that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Come on, somebody. Why did he give these gifts? To equip his people for works of service. Amen. To equip you for works of service. We are the people of God. Why, Why did Jesus give these gifts? To equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, first of all, remember, it says when he ascended. It's not the same time that he commissioned the original 12. I want you to know that there are 24 apostles mentioned in the New Testament, 22 by name. And one of them was a woman. Come on, ladies. You should be like, come on, somebody. (laughs) The original 12 plus some. Timothy was named as one of the apostles. Nowhere in the New Testament do we see a pastor leading a church not one place. Now, they are pastoral. They oversee. They have a shepherd's heart. But the title of pastor and the function given to somebody that's a pastor is not meant to oversee a church, a local assembly. Now, notice it says here, until we all reach the unity of faith. Have we reached the unity of faith? Uh, That's a really easy question to answer. (laughs) No, we haven't. So there are still apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers in the earth today. Not ones that proclaim it themselves per se, not ones that have it on Facebook before their name, you know, not ones that are consumed, but people that lead and love like Jesus that have been wired in such a way and anointed by heaven and sent by heaven to equip God's people. We have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, teacher. Can I hear you say amen? Now, let's look at another verse real quick, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has placed in the church. Now, look, this is where Paul, in another place, he mentions other gifts, but he mentions, he mentions three of the Jesus gifts that he gives his church. Okay, these are, the, these are known as the ministry gifts. He mentions these gifts, and what does he say? But he also puts an order to it. He said, first of all, apostles, okay? Then he says, second, prophets, and third, teachers, then he goes on and just says, then miracles, then gifts of healing and helping and guidance and all of different kinds of tongues. Okay, so he begins to talk about all the different ministries. I mean, there's so many different aspects of a church ministry. There's evangelism. There's, uh, there's prayer. Come on. There's, you know, there's administration. There's serving. There's practical things that involve gifts from God that he's given us. But he says, first of all, apostles, first, second prophets, and third teachers. So the new wineskin of the church has an eldership. This is what we see in the Bible. This is what we see in Scripture. An elder is the Greek word presbyter. It basically means an overseer. And it's somebody that oversees, but it's not just one person. It's a team. It's a, it's a, a, a group of people that lead together in honor, and they serve the people of God. And so I just want to give you an example here. We have somebody who's an apostle. We have a prophet, a teacher. One of these might be a worker of miracles. They may be a pastor. But we have a different group of people that are gifted in different ways to lead the body. Unlike the model that we see here, it's one guy leading a group of people. They're all relying on him for everything. And then the denomination pretty much tells them what they have to do. But over here, we have a community of people and we have leaders, it's an eldership. We see it in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, where Peter says, uh, he names himself as one of the elders. How many know that he was an apostle? How many know Peter was an apostle? But he also names himself as one of the elders. Now, now here's, here's what I want you to catch. In the, in the wineskin that Jesus gave us, the model of the New Testament pastors and evangelists are a part of the church it's not just one person leading it's you discipling you and i we're discipling and evangelizing people i'm going to tell you right now i'm probably looking at a crowd and there's probably 50 or 60 people in this room that are anointed as pastors and there's probably another 50 or 60 anointed as evangelists it doesn't mean necessarily you're gonna lead a church. Maybe it does someday. Maybe you need to be raised up and so that you can begin to function in that grace that God has put on your life. But it but if you're pastoral, that means you love well, you you want to disciple people, you want to bring in the lost into the house of God, you want to uh, you want to shepherd people, care for them. Now, if you walk up to a pastor and and someone says If a pastor asks somebody, you know, hey, how you doing? If you're a pastor, they'll be like, oh, man, I'm really going through it. They'll start spilling their guts. If someone does that to you, that's a good sign. You might be a pastor. So people, everyone's like, I'm a pastor. Oh, God, everyone spills their guts to me. If you're an evangelist, every ministry sucks except evangelism. It's not about the church walls. Screw the church. No, I'm kidding. That's extreme. That's, that's an unhealthy evangelist. That's an evangelist that needs an apostle. Come on, somebody. He needs a dad. <laughs> if you're an evangelist, it's like it's all about Todd White, man. Have you ever seen that guy? He's out in the streets, and he's out there praying and opening blind eyes. Come on, somebody. Right? Jason Chin, love says go, man. We got to go with the gospel, and I'm all for that. How many know that we all should carry the call of the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature? But we're all wired different ways. and in the New Testament wine skin, you have an eldership, fivefold ministry. you see they're all functioning together. There's a teacher, there's people that are prophetic, there's a prophet and, and listen, catch this. these people serve the others. These people, the pastor, the evangelist, the pastor, they serve the others. The people of God that he's anointed in Ephesians 4:11 are called to serve the others. And authority does not mean control. Authority does not mean control. Authority does not mean control. Authority in the kingdom of God means I'm a foot washer, I'm humble, and I love people. It doesn't mean that you won't speak truth. It doesn't mean you won't correct. It doesn't mean you won't protect because love does all those things. But it means that it's a different breed of leader. It's the Jesus kind of leader. Let's keep going here. I want to see the new wineskin. Now, in the new wineskin, in the new model, in the church model, it's a community of people that reproduce themselves. Now, I title these people leader because I want you to see there should be other people rising up into a place of leadership. Let's just call them a leader of community, a community leader. They lead community. It might be two people that meet at a Starbucks, Uh, on a a Saturday, and talk about Jesus, and more people come. But there's somebody that's rising up as a leader. They're an influencer, and their heart motives are pure, but they're rising up, and they're all in relationship together. These people honor, and they love one another, and, and they understand what God has called them to do. But this is the wineskin where people are released in their destiny, and it's not one guy doing all the preaching. Come on, somebody. But his wife gets up there sometimes. Sister Tony gets up there sometimes. Come on, somebody. Pastor Chris gets up there. We have different people. we It's not just one person trying to lead. One, one pastor cannot lead a group of 1,000 people. In the scripture, you know, if you look at it, a pastor is anointed to, to serve and lead anywhere from a dozen to 100 people, and that's about it. We need pastors in the church to rise up. We need evangelists in the church to rise up. I want to start adopting these these communities that are out in homes and bring them into the fold and empower them. And see, I believe that we can see a reproduction in our church four times over within this year if we rise up as leaders, as pastors, as evangelists, as people that take ownership with the grace that God has put on our lives. Come on. I'm way more excited about it than you. It's okay, though. Now, look, I want you to see the contrast. This is a building. This is a structure. This wineskin will burst when new wine comes in it. Why? It's not expandable. Wow. This, this is an old wineskin. When new wine comes in, the Holy Spirit starts moving. Whoa, whoa, man. We don't need people speaking in tongues, bro. Let's cray-cray. Without an interpretation. How dare you? you are reading 1 Corinthians 14 wrong. There's a public tongue, and there's a private prayer language. When people pray in the private prayer language, they don't need interpretation. Now, someone gets up, and they don't give an interpretation, it's out of order. Hello? But Paul said, I'll pray with the Spirit, I'll pray with understanding. See, this structure doesn't understand that. They, they don't fully embrace those gifts. They might to a degree, but you got to understand, this structure is stagnant. And if they get out of order, the denomination will bring the superintendent and be like, yo, I hear you guys are getting into that sensationalism stuff. (laughs) You know what's so funny about sensationalism? Let me just drop a little bomb in your lap real quick. Okay, check this out. Those that are afraid of sensationalism say, well, we don't want to yield to negative emotions or let them control us. Yet they themselves have yielded to the worst of all negative emotions, fear. Emotions are from God; they're not meant to control. When if, if your emotions in church, you're experiencing God. If you're drawing attention to yourself, that's not the Holy Spirit; that's the unholy spirit. If you distract someone from their worship with God, that's not Jesus. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. All right, I, man, I could just preach right there, but that's that's for another sermon series. This this wineskin is not only expandable, but it's a movement. It's a community that walks in authority, and even the governmental powers come and yield and say, how are you changing the communities? We want your help. It's a movement that releases the kingdom of God, the reign of God in every realm of society. You see, this person that's a pastor, he might also be called to politics. Uh, There might even be somebody on the eldership that's a politician. Maybe even the senior leader. There's some uh, apostles that are like mayors in their cities. And how many know that God wants to raise up an army of people that are not limited to the four walls of a building inside a denomination or anything like that? And God bless denominations that are embracing the wind of the Spirit. But I want the new wineskin. I want to see a movement. I don't want a monument. I want a movement. I want a community the church is in a building the church is people and if we are geared towards people we will see them rise up as pastors as apostles as prophets as teachers as leaders in the body of Christ oh, let me keep going here and the new wineskin there's reproduction in the new wineskin you know if, if there's not reproduction it's a sign of dysfunction even in our bodies and our bodies aren't perfect and, and don't over-spiritualize what I'm saying. Sometimes people, maybe they can't have children or whatever, it doesn't mean you're cursed. That's a lie. And sometimes our bodies just don't work right, and it's not God sovereignly controlling us, and like God took my ba-. It's not, never. Don't ever think that if you've ever been through that. That's a lie. Not everything that happens is God's will. But when there is no reproduction, if we're not reproducing ourselves, listen, I'm looking at people, some of you guys have been in church over 20 years, you have not discipled maybe one or two people. Can I keep it real? Hashtag keep it real. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about the last three years of your life. How many people have you took on in relationship, one-on-one, life-on-life, and discipled them and said, I'm going to walk with you, and I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm going to be the example you need. Listen, I... If I see another one of those memes on Facebook, well, we're not called to follow Christians, we're called to follow Jesus. That is such a Jesus juke. Jesus gave a model where men disciple men, women disciple women. Come on, we need a human, a person in flesh to model the Christ-likeness that we need to become like even in their imperfection, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The model of discipleship involves you and involves relationship. It involves you. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, it involves you. you. Now look at the person on the other side. I'm talking to you, pretty. (laughs) Listen, the new wineskin reproduces after its own kind. And this guy right here, this or gal, they're called to lead. They're commissioned by heaven. They're anointed. And they're connected relationally. And maybe maybe they're a house church, and maybe they turn into a place, and this guy says, hey, they come to the, the five-fold ministry leaders, the eldership, like, hey, I feel like God's calling me to plant a church. How can we serve you? How can we get behind you? And then there's reproduction. And they're still connected to the apostolic grace. They're still connected. But someday this group may rise up and become an assembly of their own, an apostolic Wineskin. Let's continue to look look at the slides here. This one is uh, known as a solo place, a solo like you know, uh, you know, a solo in the purest sense. One person calling the shots. One person doing the work. One person singing the solo in the worship set. One person always has the tongue. One person has all the interpretation. One person always has the prophecy. It's a solo. Dong! solo sound. Just one noise. Bing! I don't know why I did that, but... In the new wineskin, it's a symphony. Everyone has a sound, a song, and a voice. And when they sing and harmonize together, it's a beautiful sound that the world says, I want that. It's a sound of life acceptance and love that resounds from the heartbeat of God in the community, in the church community. One is a solo, the other is a symphony. Let's look at some other aspects. In the solo group, some people are important. The people that has, the person that has the mic, the person that's on the platform, they're important. But everyone else, oh, they're kind of important. As long as they tithe, they're important. Oh, you're important. Wait, do they tithe? Check. Okay, they're important. Listen, I'm you don't hear pastors saying that. Because pastors want people to tithe. Praise God when people sow. Right? But I'm just I'm just gonna keep it real. Hashtag keep it real. In this wineskin, some people are important. Well, do you have a gift that we can use? You're important. But what about the person on the back row that comes and nobody talks to and they don't really know what their gift is or who they are or what they're created, how they can be a part of this community. How can, what about them? Are are they important? You see in the new wineskin, everyone is significant. Let's look at this. This is so powerful. I love this. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged, and functioning together. Functioning, alive, moving. It's a symphony. We're functioning together. We're all doing our part. In the old wineskin, the priority is usually programs and gathering. Just a gathering. Just keep people in the room. Let's do another program, some sort of administrative thing. It's program. Now, programs aren't bad, but we should always embrace the new. We should always embrace change. And we should always be willing to have our structure expanded or throw it out the window and get a new paradigm. So, in this one here, it's the priorities programs. The priorities, you know, oh, we need to teach people. Uh, the priority of the church in, in this model is well, we have to equip and we have to, we have to teach and we have to evangelize. Those are all the pri- But the priority in the, the wineskin that, that we see in Scripture is the presence of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this. Before Paul says, here's the gifts Jesus gave the body to equip the body of Christ. He says, we are a dwelling place for God in the spirit. You see, before anything happened after Pentecost, they waited in an upper room for the Holy Spirit. The priority of the church is the presence of God. Evangelism flows out of that. Relationship flows out of that. Equipping flows out of that. Everything flows from the fountain of the presence of God. You see, in this wineskin, we come together, and as long as the programs are right, things are okay. But in this wineskin, we come together, we sur- we surround the throne of God. Yes. We're not afraid to worship. We're not afraid to embrace what God has for us. We become a living a wineskin, a people, a people of God that are a movement uh, and that prioritize the presence of the Lord. Now, we're going to go through these And I'm doing pretty good on time. Come on, somebody. Just pat me on the back, just in the spirit, in the spirit. I I tried to time each slide. I'm like, there's a lot of slides, so I got to go like one minute a slide. So check this out. I want you to look at this. We're going to discuss this. We have the wrong model, and we have the apostolic model. Now, what what I'm giving you is I'm not saying that we need to change all our titles. Like, you know, we, we don't need to call each other like Deacon Bill or, you know, Prophetess Rochelle or, I mean... You know, uh, listen. If you do that, that's cool. But what's more important is the function, and and we don't need to change. And we're not belittling pastors. We're actually empowering people that are anointed to disciple others and shepherd. And, and that's my heart. And as we continue with this engagement, we're gonna we're gonna give you an opportunity to step in to what we believe God has given us for this year and forward momentum is to launch small groups and to launch revival groups that are gatherings of people. We want to raise up leaders. We want to raise up teachers and and pastors and and evangelists and people that that lead. Um, And we want to, to raise them up so that we reproduce and so that we can do what God has called us to do as a church. So let's look at some contrast here. In the wrong model, it's a corporation. In the healthy model, it's the kingdom of God. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with corporations per se, but I want you to understand, in the church, we've embraced a system and a style of leadership and a structure that's unhealthy for the body of Christ. It doesn't mean we don't use tools that a corporation would use. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we're not business-minded. It doesn't mean we don't have structure, administration. But the kingdom, the reign of God, is priority in the healthy model. It's not just a corporation. It's not a corporation. It's not a corporation. In the wrong model, it's about a business. In the apostolic model, it's a family. You see, everything that we just looked at, the new wineskin, it's all relational. Every form, you cannot make disciples without relationship. It's impossible. We heard an awesome message by Tony last week, and, and she, she was sharing some of this. It calls you into love, calls you into relationship. You cannot be a disciple without relationship, and you can't disciple without relationship. So one model is more business the other model is family. We're family. There's a relational dynamic. It's so important. Uh, in one, we have CEOs. In the other, we have fathers and mothers. Huge contrast. Huge different style of leadership. Why is it so quiet in here? Come on, somebody. The wrong model, it's based just on the building, just the building. In the, in the healthy model, it's community. Now, if we start planning home groups and home meetings all, all over the place, uh, uh, the people that, that are a part of this community won't fit in this room in one service. Right. We'll have to add another service and then another one after that. And we can come together and gather and then see God do great things in homes and in other places of meeting, revival groups where there's revival. There's community groups, interests, you know, people that share the same interests, writing, coffee, theology, moms and kids. But then there's revival groups where there's worship, prayer, impartation, teaching. We want to raise up leaders. It's time for you. It's time for you that God has anointed as a leader to rise up. If you feel called to be a part of this group of people, your heart is here. Your heart is home. It's time to be equipped, and it's time to rise up, and it's time to make disciples, and it's time to reproduce. So in one, it's church building. The other, it's community, the community of God. One is based on fear. The other is based on love. Now, with, with this comes sin management sermons. With this comes calling out the gold in people's identity. With this is, I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with you. With this, I'm going to tell you who you really are in Christ so you can walk in freedom. With the the wrong model on fear, it's... It's, it's like, you know, the, the future sucks, and we're all going to hell in the handbasket with gasoline draws on. And in this one, it's like there's hope for the world, and God's moving, and the church is alive and well, and we're growing, and we're victorious. That's why we were shouting just a little while ago. And we're shouting, and we see, and Jesus one day will physically return to a glorious bride. Wrong model, Control. Anytime there's fear, there's control. If you're controlling, you're afraid. Leaders that control are afraid. They're insecure of their own anointing. They're insecure. They've been hurt, and, they, they try to, they're, and they're trying to guard and control. Don't mess up what I have. Don't mess up. And they're trying to control everything. I have news for any person that is ever a senior leader of a church, or if you're a pastor, you're not the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He gives us authority to serve and love people. The greater the authority, the greater the servanthood. If I have great authority in the kingdom, that means I just wash more feet than you. But it means we're intentional, we have relationship, we love, we honor. So in one model, it's control, domineering leadership. The other, it's authority. There's a grace to speak truth and love. There's a grace to correct, to protect, but it's a grace that loves. And the motive of the heart of the the healthy leader always looks at you and says, I want you to be the best version of yourself. And I want you to walk in destiny and I'm for you, not against you. But if I see something that's jacked up, I'm going to call it like it is. Especially if we ask somebody to speak into our life. You know, I've noticed everyone's a spiritual father and mother until they have truth to speak. Even in my own life, I need a spiritual dad. And I remember getting rebuked by a spiritual father in my life. I'm like, oh, that didn't feel so good. Everyone wants a spiritual parent until they speak truth and they tell you exactly what you need to hear. Next slide. (laughs) The wrong model values platform. The healthy model values people. The person in the back row is even more significant than the guy on stage or the girl on stage. If we capture the heart of God, we capture the heart of God, everyone is significant. When I first started desiring to be in ministry, I was thinking about the platform. Most people do. Most people that want to be in ministry, I feel called to ministry. No, you feel called to a platform. In the very beginning, am I being too harsh, baby? Okay, just honest, hashtag keep it real. Honey, just... On a scale one to ten, if I'm too harsh, just like throw up a ten and I'll just back down a little. I'm going to just be real with you. When I first desired to be in ministry, I wanted a platform because I never felt significant. Because I thought my significance was based upon me somehow being seen by other people or recognized or anointed or gifted. I'm special, right? Tell me I'm special. So I want to be on a platform. But see, when we know our significance as sons, we don't, uh, we don't get our identity wrapped up in our gift or in a platform. You see, in the wrong model, it's about a platform. In the healthy model, it's about people, loving, serving people. One time a girl came up to me. She says, I want to be a pastor. What do I need to do? I said, love people. Find a girl that you, you want to mentor that, that's willing, go to Starbucks and pastor her, love her. But no, but I want a certificate. And I'm, I'm like, you're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> that's what I thought. I said something nicer than that. but <laughs> It's about people. It's about serving people. It's not about a title. I remember when I first, we, we launched the church. It's almost been eight years. Man, God has done glorious things. And, and, you know, I remember when I first started, and people call me pastor. I'm like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, did you say anything? Did you say my name? What? I wanted to hear it again. Like, call me pastor. It felt good. I'm a pastor. Glory to God. And I remember recognizing the authority that was on my life. Like, man, it, it's just things are just, and I, I was more confident in who I was. And, but then it began to fade, and God's like, it ain't about your title, son. It's about your function. Leads me to the next one here. One is based on flattery. The other is based on honor. Flattery is deceptive. Flattery has motives to step on uh, another person to get to the top, to rise up, to be in a greater place of a spotlight. In an apostolic model, it's, it's honor, it's servanthood, it's loving. Um, it's, it's, it's literally being in a place where you value the relationship you have with someone more than you value being right about something. It it, it means that you're humble enough to say sorry if you messed up and to stay in right relationship with people. Uh, See, honor always is flown out of a place of love. It always flows from love, and so it puts the other one first. Uh, Only a couple more here. One is based on titles and positions. The other is based on function and anointing. Huge difference here. Are you guys enjoying this this morning? I could keep talking about each one of these. Let's look at the last one. Uh, I do wanna take a little time on this one. One is self-centered, the other is self-giving. If you only come to church to be served, then you're in the wrong church. If you only come to church to, only to be served, you're in the wrong church because we're called to serve people. We're called to love, we're called to serve. This is the example Jesus, the leader of all leaders, the king of all kings, God incarnate gives us in John 13, where he humbles himself to the lowest place of a servant servant, and he washes his disciples' feet. There is something that is so, and I don't want to be too negative, but I got to keep it real again. The old wineskin, there's like this narcissistic black hole that is so destructive. It breeds, hear me, offense, the spirit of dishonor. It breeds all of those things. And and we're always looking for, what can you do for me? And it's such an unhealthy posture of of our hearts. It really is. Now, it doesn't mean that when you come to a, a gathering that you're not gonna be served. On the contrary, you should be loved, served, encouraged, and and, and accepted, and empowered. But if it's the only thing you think about, then you need to move over into a healthy model of what Christ has given us is to be other-centered. Other-centered means serve one another. We could search through the New Testament. You know, I bet if we just got a glimpse of the early church communities, how serving and honoring they were, it would transform the way we live our lives. It would transform. I'll give you an example. In, in an unhealthy model, you have someone that's a leader. Serve me. You know, I got 12 armor bearers and praise God. And when I walk in the room, I want you to blow 10 shofars because I have arrived. You know, it's like backwards. How many know what I'm saying? If you're a person of authority in an unhealthy model, it's like everyone's And there's nothing wrong with honoring the man of God, the woman of God. But if that man of God or woman of God is unrelational or, or, you know, just too big time, hashtag big time, where it's like we're just so disconnected, that's not Jesus. Yes. Jesus stopped for the one. Yes. Jesus always stopped. Jesus was relational. We should always be relational. And we should never look at what our like, ministering and, and think, what can you do for me? No, it's just the opposite. How can I serve you? How can I give? How can I lift you up? How can, And I'm just going to tell you right now, there's, it's really unhealthy. Get your paradigm changed from, from a model of self-consuming to self-giving. Because if you only come to a church for what the church or the people can do for you, then you are self-centered and narcissistic and you need deliverance. Oh, it's so quiet in here. Oh, Rochelle just flashed 10. She just flashed 10. That means I, I went too far. No, she didn't. She's on her phone. You're taking notes, right, baby? All right, I just called her out. Oops. Uh-oh, in the doghouse tonight. Uh, glad we have a comfortable couch. Just kidding. That don't happen. I want you to look at this. I want you to take it in. I know I took a little time today to teach, but I want you to take this in and I want you to see what God's doing in the body, but I want you to recognize how many would say, you know, I, I, really, I really believe that we're the healthy wineskin. Yes. I mean, and I'm not just saying this like this. I believe this is us, church. I believe this is us. One of my spiritual fathers told me this week, he says, you are 100% apostolic model. And I love Larry so much. He says, he says, I want to come and affirm you uh, in your church. Like he wants all of you to know that. <laughs> and this is a guy who's pastored like three mega churches. I mean, the most serving, loving heart of a father. And, and he, he recognizes it. And I believe that, that we are seeing a dynamic shift. And, and I want you to understand something too. Let me say this, okay? In this healthy model, broken people are accepted. In this, why? Because they're going to get help, they're going to get restored, they're going to get loved, they're going to find out who they really are. In this model, offended people, well come. They're either going to stay offended or get or get rid of their offense or get healed. I mean, they only have a couple options. Either, either you, you can't stay offended in this model because love has its way of working that out of us and bringing us into fullness where. We're not always thinking. You know, there's something that's so profound. I want you to catch this. The people that are always offended are never aware of the that their volatility hurts everyone around them. When I when I walked in a spirit of offense, it's a spirit too. If you walk in it all, you need a deliverance. I'm serious. You need that demonic thing broken over your life. I remember... A time in my life where I was always offended at everything, always defensive. I remember my spiritual father says, you cannot be teachable and defensive at the same time. If you're defensive all the time, you're not teachable, which means you're not a disciple. Because if you're not teachable and correctable, you're not a disciple. And, it, and you know, it helps us posture our hearts like, wow, I need to be, I need to be teachable. But I remember always being offended, always being defensive about things. Sometimes I get defensive, but not like it used to be. And I remember one day waking up and realizing I was always aware of how everyone hurt me because of every little thing. You breathe wrong around me. Your breath bad. Ugh, brush your teeth. I mean, you know, everything. How many know what I'm talking about? You have someone in your life. Don't look at them right now if they're in the room. but It's they, they, like... They are Mr. or Mrs. Offended. Hello? That's an orphan spirit, man. And and the the trick is this is that if we're walking in that, we're not aware that our volatility is hurting people all around us. We're hurting people, and we don't even care. Just cut ties with people, sever relationships, and you're doing that, and you know, slandering and that's not Jesus, man. We've got to learn the, the right wineskin. That we are a community of people that are called to love and serve one another. We're, we're a community of people that are called to love and serve one another. How many would say, I want the Jesus way? I want, I want to, I wanna be a healthy Christian community. I believe God is doing something, church that in, in decades' time, they will look back and say there was a church and there's people, there's churches in Las Vegas that caught the fire and it spread all in different places. And there's different churches that really, that, I mean, all over the world, thousands and thousands that walk in a healthy apostolic model. And it's a family and it's people that love. It's people that honor and serve. It's people that give of themselves and are always looking for what... You know, the church can do for them, but they're looking, what can I do to serve? How can I give? How can I love? How can I be a blessing? How can I be a blessing? In my own life, there was a shift that took place. I remember I would come to church. There was a maturity, a rising up, and I'd say, I want to pour out, and I'd pray all my way. God, I just want to pray for one person that get filled with the Holy Spirit. God, I want to see a person healed. If I can come and just impart to one person. I was an altar worker. I was on the prayer team, and I took it seriously, and I put my whole heart into it, and I said, God, if I could just give and serve and love one person. And I wasn't just coming to church to be blessed. Oh, man, I've had a rough week, you know. Yeah, we all have rough weeks. And when we come together, praise God for somebody giving us an encouraging word. But let me tell you something. A mature body of people is not just thinking about what they can get out of a service, but how they can give to a service. And not just thinking about, well, someone needs to mentor me. Yeah, you need some mentoring. But you better, in return, mentor and disciple someone else. Because if there isn't reproduction, something is dysfunctional. And God is calling a bride who he sees as lovely and holy and saying, rise up and step into the new wineskin. Become a movement. Become people that love and serve. Become unoffendable. Become people that are not absorbed in their self and offended over every little thing, but they are rather self-giving and unoffendable. Come on. Church, we are called... La- the last slide, I didn't put it up. Let's just read this real quick. Tony had this up last week. This Here it is in the New Living Translation. What an awesome job you did last week, Tony. So proud of you. So powerful. Look at this. Ephesians 4.16. I believe she quoted this last week. He, Christ, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The, the New King James says it fitly framed together. How does that happen? In the presence of the Lord. You know how you get delivered from the spirit of offense? You release it in the presence of the Lord. You forgive that person that hurt you. Not the person that keeps offending you, but the person that you didn't forgive probably a long time ago. There's a reason why you keep, it's a heart wound that's never been attended to. It's like an infectious wound. If you got a cut on your arm and you never dealt with it properly, how many know it can get affected, infected? Well, the same way our heart wounds attract the enemy, attract demonic, offended spirits, spirits of offense. Oh, man, I'm preaching way better than you responded, responding, but that's okay. God fitly frames us together in his presence, and, and we love one another, and we value one another, and we see who we really are in the presence of the Lord. As each part does its own special work, It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, say whole body, is healthy and growing and full of love. Oh, I love those three points. Healthy, say healthy. A healthy body. Strong organs. Strong. Getting nourished. Every part moving. When one part doesn't move. Even there's involuntary parts. There's parts that are voluntary. They need to be told what to do. But then there's, there's some of you that are the organs of the body. You're involuntary. You move without even being told. We need you. We need the whole body healthy. It says the whole body healthy and growing. Come on, say growing. Multiplication. Come on, can you envision if we do our part, if every one of us, including myself, do our part, we can multiply four times over. This church will be over a 1,000 people of Jesus-loving servants that are changing the city of Las Vegas and ushering a real move of heaven, seeing people saved, healed, and delivered. Come on and catch the fire. Come on and catch the fire. I could see it, and you are anointed to do it. You're anointed to do it. Growing, multiplying, and full of love. Full of love. That's engaging ministry and leadership. God has called you to ministry and God has called you to lead. It's time to step into it. Come on, somebody. I want to pray for you right now. We're going to close. I know I went a little long. Blame the slides. My wife told me to do it. No, she didn't. I want you to, will you just do me a favor? And, and if you say, you know, I, I feel like God's anointed me to lead community. I'm an evangelist. I, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I, I feel like God's calling me in the office of a prophet or even an apostle, or, you know, you just, you know, you're called to lead. And, and maybe you're not part of the five-fold ministry, but maybe you're just, you know what, I'm called to serve. I've been wired by the Father to serve. Uh, maybe it's to administrate. Um, whatever it is, but you just know that God has gifted you, but I want you, and and every single one of you is gifted in this room, but I want you, I want to give you an opportunity right now to say this year, I'm rising up, and I'm stepping in, and I'm going to make disciples, and I'm going to reproduce myself, and I'm going to lead community. I want you to stand up right now, and when you do, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord, and just say, yes, Lord. That's it. Come on, just stand and respond. Say, yes, Lord. Yes. If we actually called you to the front, we wouldn't have room up here for everybody because nearly the whole building stood up. Hundreds of people just standing up saying, yep, I'm ready to rise up, God. You know how honored we are to have you part of this tribe. You have no idea you have no idea how honored we are to have you lead and serve. Alan Floyd, do you know how honored we are? We are so honored. You, are, you have no idea how significant you are. God sent you here a couple years ago, two years ago, right around now, huh? You have no idea how. We are so honored. Yeah, you, you know how honored we Tony, we need you. You're, you're one of the lionesses of this tribe, and we need your roar. Do you have any idea, Sharon and my dad, do you have any idea how honored I am that you sit on the front row and worship with us? and your support, and you're cheering us on, your you're do you? Have, I want you to look at the person next to you and say, do you have any idea how significant you are? Jeff, do you, Jeff and Patty, do you have any idea? You are so important to this body. I could literally go around the whole room, and I could just pour my heart out. Honey, I couldn't do this without you. You're the mama of this house. You're the first lady, and you are fine too. Beautiful inside and out. I could never do this without you. I never want to do anything without you. I want you right by my side. Released in your gifts. Because when you're not teaching, people get robbed. And I don't want anyone ripped off. Lori, do you have any idea how important you are? a threefold cord is not easily broken. And this whole thing started with three people praying in a room, saying, God, what do you have for this city? God, we want the real deal. Amazing. Chris, you and your wife, bro, thank you for saying yes and coming in faith before we even had money to pay you. You're like, can you just pay me something in faith? I'm coming. I want to be a part. Yes. Thank you for coming in faith and being a part because you are doing, th- I've never seen a worship pastor and his wife shepherd like you guys are. It's real community. And, it, and and there's real love. And the relationship, I've never seen a senior leader and a worship pastor with such a healthy relationship. You all need to pray that it, it remains that way. You know, every move of God, every church that begins to explode, the enemy always tries to divide anointed worship leaders and senior leadership. One benefit is I love to worship. And so I recognize there's a kindred spirit, but I'm so honored. Thank you and your wife. We love you with all of our hearts. And you are doing an amazing job, bro. Some of you have been with us from the very beginning. If, you, if you've if you been with us from the very beginning, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand up from the very beginning. I know Dan and Steph. Oh, man, Ed and Glenda, my, my family. I, man, I just, I was thinking about all the people that have been with us from the beginning when we started a little coffee shop. You guys remember the little coffee shop? But the glory of the Lord was just present there, wasn't it? God is moving. Chris and Clara, I pray that you are so refreshed in this season of your life. You are such a blessing. I don't think we could have gotten where we are right now if it wasn't for you uh, just overseeing Sozo ministries. I mean over 500 people Sozoed, huh? It's amazing. It's amazing. Do you how many people's lives you change by saying yes to God? It's amazing. Heaven is cheering you on. They're like, look at Chris and Clara. That's my peeps right there. Heaven cheers you on. Would you lift your hands with me? Come on, if I didn't name you, I'm sorry. I don't have time. i got to let you go. There's playoff games going on today. But every one of you, I just, I could pour my heart out and just thank you for being a part of this tribe. And guess what? We've got hundreds more that God wants to add to this tribe. But it ain't going to happen unless we rise up and take our place. Are you ready for that? Shh. Man, after you guys led worship, man, I could have just literally just started prophesying over you. And I'm so glad, Troyel, you made it today. All of you just killed it. All of you, Bryce and Melody, Cynthia, Troyel, amazing. The whole team. There, There is something so powerful on your guys' life for worship. And even all the other psalmists and worship leaders in here. Get ready, man. Get ready. You're going to write songs that will shape the way people worship. It will transform how they see God. Would you lift your hands with me and just thank God for his presence right now. I want you to just posture your hearts in a place of humility and and reverence with me. Sometimes we, because we know grace and identity, we, we get a little arrogant and we can never move away from holy reverence. And you know, I'm reminded of In the Old Testament, they had everything set up and they're dedicating the temple and all the priests were in there and they they knew what they were doing. You know, all the priests knew exactly what to do. They knew what they were doing. But then the glory of the Lord filled the house and then they all fell on their faces. Just when we think we know what we're doing, then the glory shows up. May we posture our hearts in a place where we say, Lord, would you fill this house with glory? And whatever you want to do, we say yes. But we recognize that you're doing something holy, and it requires us to rise up. And we we declare that you will build your church and the power of Hades will not prevail against it. I want you, if you would, just just say yes to him in your own words. Pray in the spirit, pray with understanding, just say yes, Lord. And if you stood up when I asked you, I want to I want to close and my wife's gonna dismiss in just a minute. But I want to pray for some of you. I want to lay hands on some of you. I just want to release. I want to just pray that you you encounter God's heart deeply. I want to pray for those that have been hurt by dominating leadership. And, and, and you're just you're, you're, uh, your heart is just resounding and saying, yes, I believe this. I believe that God is doing something new in the body of Christ. And you're coming and you want wholeness. I, I'm going to open up the altars in just a minute, and then we're going to dismiss. But I want you one more time, lift your hands, just say, yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. Now I want our prayer team, would you just lift up a prayer right now just for a moment? Come on, pray in the Spirit. If you have your prayer language, just lift up your prayer language right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. We say yes. We say yes. So in just a moment, I'm going to have my wife dismiss you and then I want them... I want you to change the lighting so it's not all bright up here. I want people to come and just sit at the feet of Jesus and and we want to love, serve, and bless you. Maybe you're in this place and you need freedom from the spirit of offense. We're going to pray and minister to you. And then in a moment, I want our prayer team also to come. Honey, would you come and just dismiss? Love you all. God bless you.